What do you wish you would have done 10 years ago? What are your regrets? And what are you going to do about it now? This is the first episode in a two-part series, and we're taking stock of what we have... Or have not... ...accomplished in the last decade. And that's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast. Honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. What are we drinking? Oh, this is the most delicious. I say that they're all delicious, but this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's a salted caramel white Russian. It's got the salted caramel Baileys in it and half and half, which doesn't add any calories whatsoever. Nope. Nope, no calories there. Armoretto and caramel sauce drizzled in it. It's just nuts. Some salt flakes and some rosemary sprigs because it is the rosemary season, don't you know? This thing is the bomb. This beverage for me, when I tasted it, was like dessert in a little beautiful glass. And and it's a really great way to kind of kick off the holiday season now that it's December. That's true. But while we're enjoying this beverage, tell me a little bit about why we're even talking about this last decade. This is <laughs> feels very heavy. It does feel heavy. I mean, it's 10 years. I've managed to keep three children alive, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. You've managed to invent two children. Yeah. A lot a lot can happen in 10 years. There's abs that's absolutely true. And I feel like especially since I've become a parent, Time moves so quickly, and I know that's very cliche. My experience is absolutely that. And I do feel like a decade can go by in an instant, and I want to take stock really quickly of kind of what did I say 10 years ago that I wanted that I'd be done doing by now, right? right? And I still have the opportunity to do something about that if I haven't accomplished something, but I just don't want to be 10 years down the road from now and, and still be regretting what I hadn't done for 20 years, right? The thing about it is your daily to-do list keeps you so busy that it's really difficult to step back and, and take the long view and imagine how much you've accomplished in 10 years. And because you stay so busy, time moves so fast, something that you really think you just thought of yesterday, you thought of six years ago and you just haven't gotten to it yet. So yeah. it's good to take stock. So what do you do to take stock? Is it a matter of kind of getting out of your own head and, and looking at it kind of objectively? I guess it depends. Sometimes I get quite overwhelmed. Life feels like you're never going to get all the things done you need to get done. Life sometimes feels like it's throwing things at you that you really can't handle. And when things get really bad, I, I make a grocery list kind of of all the stuff we've got and all the things we do and all the reasons we're fortunate, which sounds kind of strange, but it helps us put it in perspective to look at yourself maybe the way someone else would look at you about the things that you are good at or the things that you've accomplished. So I like to take that look. Then there's the list of the things I didn't get around to, but that's a different list. But it is easy. I think especially as women, business owners, as moms, it's easy to live being present to guilt about what you're not doing because when you're at work, you're not doing the thing at home. And when you're at home, you're not necessarily doing the thing at work. And it's a really easy automatic default to be guilty. At least that's how I experience it. It's easy to feel guilty about what I haven't done. And that, and your point is perfect. Making a grocery list of what you have done or what you do have is not often the way we view our lives. It's kind of indulgent almost to take a minute and write it down and go, yeah, I, I have built a business. I've created humans. And I'm like, this is a damn fine decade. It's a damn fine decade. You had a human that just had a birthday a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, during the day, I am diaper free. That's a giant <laughs> milestone <laughs> that makes a big difference in my life. Karen, I've been waiting for you to be diaper free for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm headed in the other direction now. <laughs> 
Diapers are different than depends. It depends. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so tell me, I mean, take stock. What have you been doing for 10 years, Karen? I have helped grow and establish business. At least in the last 10 years, we've grown by double. And I work hard to own my role in that process. I haven't done it single-handedly, but I've worked my tail off. I've been acknowledged in my community for service. I did. I grew two kids. I've held on to some beautiful relationships, and I've grown new ones that I really hold dear. And, um, you know, I've worked through health stuff with my family, like just, you know, Mm -hmm. what everybody my age would say (laughs) in my (laughs) position, you know, hopefully. I just take responsibility for exactly how my life is. My life is exactly how it is right now because I was willing or not willing to do something. So I know that, for example, it's an easy default to talk about weight. So I know that my, my health and my body are exactly in the place that it is right now because I am willing to or, drink half and half in your drink. <laughs> exactly. So I would like to say that I'm not willing to carry an extra 10 pounds. But at the same time, on a daily basis, I'm making choices that are not consistent with that statement. So I am, in fact, willing to carry 10 pounds because, you know what, I, I don't go without when it comes to food or beverage. But on the flip side, you're willing to forgive yourself and give yourself a little bit of slack and be okay with what's still really a healthy human. So you're willing to give yourself the liberty to live the life you want to live. Yeah. And I do the same thing. You know, I'm really committed to a Pilates practice that isn't as often as I would like it to be, but I'm willing to give up that part of my budget and that part of my week to give myself an hour that's completely dedicated to what I need that makes me feel sane and healthy. So it's a bit of a balancing act. It sounds like you're willing to prioritize yourself. Like I just said, it's a balancing act. It's something that I've had to grow into over the last decade. A decade ago, because my oldest is eight, a decade ago, I wasn't a mom. And so prioritizing myself was very simple. (laughs) You know, it was just me and my husband. And so over the last eight years in particular, figuring out how I exist inside of the whirlwind that is working motherhood has been a, a tricky thing. You know, yeah. you know as well as anyone I know. Let's see, 10 years ago, well, 10 years ago, I would have been pregnant with Spencer and almost ready to burst with my third child. And so now I have two who are teenagers, entirely functional, and they really live their own lives, which is another piece of transition for us to understand how that works for our family. And one who's almost 10 and just close to being a functional human. It's really exciting, really independent. Every day he's get, grasping something new, so I feel like... Well, in 10 years, I've, I've made people who might not die if I left them out into the wilderness. So that's good. That's always a plus. But how else do you prioritize yourself? Oh, I don't. <laughs> no, that is not true. I think, when you, I think you've told me once that when you look at the past decade, you acknowledge that you have not always prioritized yourself, but that when you take the minute and say, no, darn it, you know, you've talked about your anniversary, for example. In some ways, prioritizing myself is pretty easy. I've got a healthy dose of selfishness in me, so I'll make sure, which I think is good, and I think every human has to has to be a little bit selfish in order to stay sane. Mm-hmm. So I do find little ways here and there to keep that important. I really have making, we really try to make time to prioritize our marriage. You know, we've been married for, gosh, 22 years. For a few years there, we got too busy to celebrate, and this year we looked at ourselves and said, it's time. So we're embarking on a nice little, a tiny little vacation, just spend some time on our own. Prioritizing those little things 
I think helps quite a bit. It doesn't have to be a big event. It it can be a weekend. It can be an hour, like you said, but just taking that time to do the thing that you know will keep you healthy or your relationships healthy is pretty useful. That's actually a perfect message for this time of year when it's so easy to get overwhelmed with what I would consider the shoulds of a holiday season. And I was just talking to my son last night about from Thanksgiving to the first of the year, the whole holiday season, besides gifts, what is it that he thinks about when I say the holiday season? And he said, playing with cousins, hot cocoa, uh, time away from school, and family. And he I didn't was, say presents. Well, I prefaced that one of his gifts, one of his <laughs> answers couldn't be presents. Fair. Okay, <laughs> so besides fair. gifts. Um, but he didn't have to think about it, you know? So it's, it is celebrating the little things. So whether it is that hour or that date or that mini vacation or that weekend away, and it's finding those ways to just celebrate the little things. So that could be true, too, with thinking about your achievements over the last decade or even over the last year. Celebrate the little things, like... You've kept humans alive. <laughs> or <laughs> kept you, the business alive. You have fewer diapers in your life. <laughs> you know, it's really spending time to celebrate those things and be present to the gratitude that you have around those accomplishments or acknowledgments. I think that goes a long way in your in your heart and your soul to feel, I don't know, validated that yeah. <laughs> you, you aren't mired in the to-do list, that there are things happening. Well, we spend so much time forgetting about the everyday forgetting about our children because we're worrying about the logistics of our children or forgetting about our spouse because we're worried about the logistics of our children (laughs) or anything like that. But when you really stop to think about the things that you enjoy on a daily basis, a warm home, uh, the food you'd like to eat, the people who you need in your life, and it's, it's pretty amazing when you stop to think about it for people who have that kind of flexibility. That's kind of nice. That said, there's lots I didn't get done this decade as well. (laughs) Like the children's book I was going to write. Maybe next decade. Who cares? How about you? Anything you didn't get done? I'm sure that there is. But right now in this conversation, (laughs) I'm so present to how blessed and privileged I am. Uh, The things that I do have that um, I almost can't even recall. So thank you. That's awesome. (laughs) That's good. You know, I think sometimes prioritizing yourself also can mean in your relationships. As you were talking about, you know, your marriage, I think also our relationships with people that are important in our life, whether that's our, our partners, our clients or our friends and family, I think prioritizing yourself means that as people who are leaders in a service industry, we're so used to saying yes and almost afraid sometimes to say no. That is a habit that we can get into and just making sure that in your relationships, you're staying nice and clean, that you're saying yes when you really mean yes, Mm -hmm. and you are confident or comfortable to say no when you really need to say no. Well, you mentioned something similar to that in an earlier episode about early in your career, hanging your head on the fact that you could be anybody's anything and kind of getting old enough and confident enough with your expertise that you can say, this is what I do, this is what I do well, and this is how I do it. And clients will come when they hear that. And so I think you can look at it as a decade of accomplishing expertise and confidence and clarity in what it is you offer and you don't. Specifically in the last year or so at work, we've gotten very good at telling people, nope, that's not what we do or No, we're not going to change our process. We know how we do what we do well. And being able to own that and know when to say no and know when the right time is to say yes comes with incredible power. So I feel like that has been a growth for us for the past decade. 
Absolutely. I could say as recently in, as in the last um, few weeks, a client called, a very longstanding client called who asked me to do, to help kind of help with some details. And the one thing that they wanted me to do uh, would have created a conflict of interest between a different client. And I just said, this is a hard conversation for me to have, but you're putting me in a position that makes me uncomfortable. And I want to be able to move forward with transparency with both of you guys. And so for that reason, I can't get involved. And I was worried about having that conversation because I was afraid that I was going to be perceived as not being helpful. Mm-hmm. And it was it was received with respect. And I was really grateful for that. And I, I think it's a testament not only to how I've grown in the last 10 years, but also my relationship with that person. Do you feel like years ago you would have tried to make it work or not felt the need to be as transparent as fast? I wonder if even 10 years ago, I would have recognized that I was uncomfortable and for what reason it made me uncomfortable. Mm. So it's not for a lack of wanting to be transparent, but it would have been like, I don't really think, you know, I don't really, I feel burdened by this thing, but I'll just do it because it's another thing on my to-do list and I can make somebody happy. Right. And that the repercussions would really be mine. I wouldn't probably have been mature enough, honestly, to think about, and it wasn't even a significant ask. It was just... Somebody, a client asking me to ask my other client for a favor and play intermediary, and it just didn't make me comfortable. Yeah, that's fair. Good for you. Thanks. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever feel like you have um, any tactics that you use uh, when you're when you're reflecting on what you have or haven't accomplished, especially at this goal-setting time of year? Do you ever, or when you're feeling overwhelmed at what you have or haven't done, do you have any tactics that you use to help make sense of it all? You talked about a grocery list earlier, but what uh, else? Yes, we have the two steps forward, and we use this a lot at work, but I think it's really good on a professional and a personal level. Say, for example, I want to write a book or you want to get rid of that extra 10 pounds. The whole thing is very giant. But if you can break it down and get two steps forward, you're closer than you were. And if you are learning something new, if you are trying to accomplish something at your home, trying to build a box, it doesn't matter what your goal is. You might not get to the end of the goal, but if you can get two steps forward, you are closer than you were yesterday. And I find that that works both with the physical doing of things and with the mental understanding of things. So with our children, they might not understand the concept of world peace as someone else understands it. But if, but if you can get a small child to understand it a little bit more than they did, or a client might not get to their full potential with whatever project or campaign you're working on, but if you can get them closer to it, you've made significant progress. So we always just use the two steps rule. Can you get two steps closer to where you need to be? It's easy. Can I steal it for yeah. my own? <laughs> you can. <laughs> I'm sure people who are listening will steal it as well because it's really amazing because something so simple that you can use both with a nine-year-old and with a 59-year-old at work is really empowering because clients will present to you and ask for things that they don't have the budget for. And to be able to be poised enough to say, I can get you here and then next year we can get you here. And that's really um, doing a huge service to the relationship. And it's setting reasonable boundaries and expectations for your client. And you then make it sound so good. And they're so thankful in the end. So two steps, so simple. I think in our culture specifically, everybody looks so polished and put together. And it all looks so easy. And it's not. We all know that nobody's nearly as polished as the pictures we see. And it's never as easy as you think it's going to be. So really those two steps can be a significant accomplishment. You might not get to your goal as fast as you think you're going to, but slow and steady steps 
helps you build a habit too and helps you integrate it into your life in the way you can. And each week or month, you can get just a little bit further. So we try that. How about you? What do you do? I think one of the things that I'm um, kind of more recently embracing, especially in the last year through the rebrand process, is I've been thinking about a to-don't list. (laughs) I love that. So we have our fair share of to-do lists, right? We focus a lot on our productivity, what we need to do or have to do or should be doing, which comes with a lot of shoulds and guilts and all of the things. And so to kind of really step away from that, making a list of things that I just don't want to do. It's never a case of whether I'm above a task at work or not. This is specifically related to work. Because if something's broken, I'm going to fix it. If the plants are needing watering, I'm going to do that. But it's more about how is my time best used? And is there somebody else that could be doing the thing? So it is sometimes simple delegation, but it's easy as a business owner because you know so quickly how to do the thing. Mm -hmm. But it's really creating a to-don't list and presencing yourself to it every now and then, these are the things I should not be doing. And if I catch myself doing it, ask for help because there are other people in your organization who are willing to step up. The great thing about a to-don't list, especially from a business standpoint, is that is a roadmap to who you need to hire next or what deficits you might have in your organization. So you can look at those lists, even if those lists are mental, and realize, oh, the things that I shouldn't be doing all fall into a particular category. Perhaps the next time we're looking to grow our staff, we find someone who excels at those things. So I think that that's not only a tactic to keep you sane today, but it's a great growth tactic. That's exciting. Thank you. I'm going to put don't fold laundry on my kids' to-do list because they don't do it anyway, so we're just going to give up on that. Ah. (laughs) They really just don't fold the laundry. Do they do their laundry? They do. They, well, my children think laundry is done when it is out of the dryer and into a basket, whereas I think laundry is done when it is folded and put in your drawer. So we have, you know, a differing of opinions there. There's a gap in expectations. <laughs> Slight gap. <laughs> Maybe um, move the dressers out of their rooms <laughs> and just replace it with baskets and that's see how tr- they feel about it. That's a great idea. You don't need a dresser. You never use it. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I, I joke. My, my middle child irons his shirt every day. The kid has an ironing board in his room 24-7, and every morning he irons a button-down shirt, so I shouldn't give him such slack, I suppose. He's a curious kid. When was the last time you ironed a shirt? Oh, gosh. No. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Plead the fifth on that one. Same. I think I, I ironed a tablecloth last Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think I will iron a tablecloth. Yeah, that's probably a good call. Oh, man. I've, I've, I've been known to iron fabric napkins when people are coming for dinner, but not a shirt. Nope. Hey, Karen, here's a to don't. We've got a little bit of a chocolate garnish on this. We forgot to mention that at the beginning of the episode, but it's chocolate with caramel inside it. Don't forget to eat that thing. Don't let it go to waste. It's delicious. Done. I love it. This seriously is maybe my favorite beverage so far. It's so tasty. It is so tasty. It feels indulgent. So, Jen, where can people join this conversation? Because I really want to hear what tactics do people have when they're reflecting on what they have or haven't accomplished? What do they put in place? I want to hear all the good juicy details, not to-do lists or milestones or base camps. I want to know, like, what do you do for life? What do you do for life? People can find us on all the socials at Easy Underground. Uh, Check us out on Facebook. That's where we can have some great conversations or on Instagram. And then you can always find us on the web at thespeakeasypodcast.com. And subscribe 
subscribe at iTunes, obviously. Yeah, and I think maybe for the holiday season, what I would like to ask for from our listeners is to share. We get so many comments and feedback through text and through um, private messaging that sometimes our conversations are very offline. And I would like to encourage people, if you really are grateful for our conversation, to share this holiday season. Share this holiday season. That's a great one. So this is the first in a two-part series, and in part two of this conversation, we're going to be letting go, like you said. No shame, no guilt, no excuses. An inventory of sorts. We took stock, and now we're letting go. That's how we'll be toasting the new year. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.